Hello and welcome to the Book Launch Show. I'm your host, Tim Grawl, and I have been working with authors to help them build their platforms and launch best-selling books for over eight years. I've launched dozens of best-selling books. They've gone as high as number one on the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post bestseller list. I've also worked with authors just getting their first books off the ground and out into the world. I've created this show to share the strategies and tactics I've learned along the way. In this episode, we are continuing the conversation with Michael Bungay-Stanier about the launch of his self-published book, The Coaching Habit. I highly recommend, if you missed them, of going back and listening to the first two episodes because it's definitely a three-part episode that goes in order. The other thing I want to mention here is this interview is based on an article that he wrote for a website called Growth Lab. Com. I put the link in the show notes at booklaunchshow.com. I think you should go read that article. Definitely read it first if you can before you go through all these episodes because what I do, I didn't want to just rehash what he'd already written there. I took that and kind of used that as the basis to go deeper and ask some bigger questions, ask a lot of why'd you do that, why'd you do this type questions. So definitely required reading for these three episodes. But anyway, thanks again for listening to this. It's been, it was a lot of fun to talk to Michael and reconnect and hear how he launched his book. In this episode, we go through a lot more of his marketing stuff, the kind of outreach he did where he found different websites to reach out to, and also how many copies he sold and what he feels was the most important thing that he did for the marketing of the book. So let's jump in and get started. So you said that the two things that you've done in particular is getting on podcasts and writing articles. Can you talk a little bit about how that's worked for you because I talk about how to make that happen so if you're listening and don't know how to make that happen just go read stuff I've already written but I want you to talk about like what's the results of that been for you has that been worth your time if you went back would you double down on that again or would you try something different I would I do it again the answer is yes I would do it again but what I know with podcasts and with all of this stuff is there's a very strong Pareto principle playing out here. So 20% of what you do gives you 80% of the hits and the response and the like. And so it's a bell curve. If you're lucky, you get a few podcasts up the top end of the influencers. So you get a Michael Hyatt or you get an entrepreneur on fire or you get a somebody else who's got or maybe a Tim Ferriss, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, they're the Oprah of our time, right? Which is like, you get on there, it's going to help your book, right? And that's fantastic. It takes a whole lot of work and hustle and connections and persistence. I mean, Entrepreneur on Fire, I was like, it took me nine months pitching that before that finally landed and got it. Michael Hyatt took over a year of trying to find the connections and get the introduction. And finally, I just had the good luck of his daughter read the book and went, Dad, you've got to interview this guy. This book's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, but Michael Hyatt mentioned my book, pushed the book up to, I know, 400 on Amazon for a week. So that's a nice little bump in sales. And it's a nice credibility piece as well. Then there's a bunch of podcasts I did where honestly about four people would have listened to the podcast. And that's including the podcast host twin daughters. You know, I'm like, okay. So I set my team the goal to see if they could schedule me for two podcast interviews a week. 
And it just meant that we had to dig deep and we had to think through who we wanted to reach out to. And we had to hustle a bit around that. And two podcast interviews a week for a year means you're going to get some really good podcast interviews. And you also talked about finding cousin books and reverse engineering bloggers. Talk a little bit about what you did there and what you were trying to do with that strategy. Yeah, this is a strategy that lots of people have picked up on as being a bit different and useful. Tim, you, you may have a different experience, but my experience of the traditional PR approach to books is author writes a book, the internal PR for the publishing house or the hired PR gets a list of the, the journalists, sends out a press release, or perhaps just sends out you know like 300 books. The word I use for that is spam. Yeah, they just scattergun stuff out into the world and hope something hits and somebody responds. And the first thing to know is your book is of massive, massive disinterest to everybody on that list. Like nobody cares about a new book coming out because how many books come out every day, Tim? You probably know this better than me. What, four billion a day? <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like saying that you know, there's clouds in the sky today. It's like, yeah, no kidding. There's a new book being published today, like every day. So that's how it traditionally works, and it doesn't work well. You know, it amazes me that I get sent books to read all the time, and nobody follows up, nobody asks me about it, nobody checks in, nobody sees if I've read it. I just, they're like, well, maybe you'll call us. Bye. <laughs> so we wanted to have people write about the book and talk about the book, so we tried to be more targeted about it. So this idea of cousin books, you know, Dan Pink's book Drive is the perfect example. It's like a book like mine speaks to the same sort of people, speaks to the same sort of issues about how do you keep people engaged and active and happy within work. And I hired somebody to find the top 50 articles written about Dan Pink's book. And I said, find the article, give me the link, give me the name of the person who wrote that article, give me their email, give me their Twitter handle. So it took a bit of work, but you know, using something like guru.com or one of those freelancer sites, you can get people to do that research for you. And then we actually sent out pitch emails to all of those people that were crafted to that person about that article going, if you like this, you'll probably really like that. So it uses that social influencing thing and it uses status building and all sorts of things that Bob Chi Dowley from Influence Book would recommend. And a bunch of those people wrote back saying, yes, I'm interested. And so then we'd send out the book and then the team would follow up and follow up and follow up at least three times to see if they got it, see if they read it, see if they're going to write something. And, you know, there's just a bunch of people who went, okay, I will write something. If you will just leave me alone, you're killing me here. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. Yeah, it's the follow-up. Like, I'm working with a guy that is coming out with a kid's book series, and I'm like, just send the requests in the book, then just follow up to make sure they got it and see if they want to do anything. And it's amazing. Oh, man, I'm going to completely botch it, but Noah Kagan talked about this on his podcast and how like 50% of his emails didn't get a response until the second time he followed up. Like this huge percentage, and he's Noah Kagan. Like people know who he is. You know, nobody knows who I am. So I got to like, you know, and you're not pounding on them, but you're just making sure you're like floating up to the top of their mind. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I send an email, or my team does, and the second email will put a little square bracket resend in the subject line. And then in the content, say, just nudging this up to the top of your inbox again. You know, it's respectful. It's not entitled, but it's just saying, look, I'm not going to assume silence means no. And lots of people assume silence is no. 
as opposed to I'm overwhelmed. I didn't see it. They got caught in my spam. I'm going to get to it one day. You're like, and we're like in the email and in the growth article is that you actually see all the script we use. So you can download all these scripts and, you know, come yeah, up with yeah. your own versions. But I'm pretty sure that in these scripts, we're like, please tell us if it's a no. Because far better for you and for us if, if you're like, no, I'm not interested. Because then we don't bug you and you're not bugged by us. It's perfect. So one thing you didn't talk about that I was curious about is you have your own email list. You have your own following. Like, what did you do to launch the book to them? Because most of what you talk about is kind of out in the world, getting new things started. But you have a platform because you have these other books. You've you've done like viral videos, you know, creative videos that have gone viral. Like, what did you do with the platform that already existed? I have a small-ish list by most standards. So, you know, like I think it's fifteen or 20,000 people. So that's not bad. It's a really active list, but it's not a mega list by any stretch of the imagination. So we did a kind of traditional launch for our list, which is it's like here's the week. Here's the week. It's coming. No, the, it's coming. Hey, please be aware that we're coming. You're going to really help us out when we launch the book. Okay, it's launching. Ah, <laughs> you're going to get five emails from us this week. And it's like one on day one, one on day four, one on day five, two on day seven. I mean, there's a, you know, Jeff Walker and the launch formula. There's just a ton of people who tell you how to run an email launch campaign. And we kind of offered, hey, here's a gift if you buy one. Here's a gift if you buy two. Here's a gift if you buy ten. You know, honestly, the whole here's the gift if you buy a bulk number of these books didn't really work particularly well for us. What did work, if I was to do that again, I'd probably go, let me make it easy for you to buy a second book. Because if everybody who bought one book bought two books, that would be a really nice boost to the book sales. And I'd probably, I might go and here's if you want to buy 10 books. Or I think we said seven books because there's seven questions in the book. So we're trying to make everything a multiple of seven. But we kind of overcomplicated that. So we ran a traditional campaign. It was a big part of the piece. But of course, I was like, the launch matters, but it doesn't matter as much as the year. So and then what did you do? Because there's like an email list and then you have this long history of clients you've worked with. Did you use the book to reconnect with them? Yes. And that's kind of less about the book sale and more about the selling coaching program right. piece. So that's just an ongoing part of the outreach for us, which is, hey, we're knocking on doors and we're giving books away. Say, hey, number one coaching book for 16 months now. Hey, Wall Street Journal bestseller book on coaching. Can we send you a copy? And it opens up doors for conversations. So how long has the book been out as of today when we're recording and how many copies have you sold roughly? So, so it's June 20th. It launched on February the 29th. So March, April, May. June, so what's that, 16 months, and it sold probably about 210, 220,000 copies, somewhere in that region, we think. We haven't done a count up for a little bit, but at the end of a year, we sold 180,000 copies. So looking at those 180,000 copies in the first year, the 200,000, and you already mentioned like with the podcast and stuff, the 80-20 rule, like what did you do that you think had the most impact on sales or was it just the tidal wave of two podcasts a week and writing articles like or is, can you point at one thing and be like man that was the huge bump in sales so here's the one thing that's probably made the most difference i wrote a really good book that has a lot of word of mouth so people go i'm buying this for my team i'm buying this for my company i'm buying this 
because I want to give this book to people. <laughs> so the benefit you write at the start of this conversation was about the long, miserable path to write this book. And, you know, I wrote five versions of the book badly before I wrote a good version. What that meant was I ended up writing when the book finally showed up, it was a really good book. And I'm saying this with, you know, no false modesty. It's lean, it's practical, it's engaging, it's funny. And, you know, you hope for all of that. And I put this down to a little bit of talent and a little bit of kind of lightning in the bottle luck. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes you write a book and it just kind of catches and it seems to work and it seems to strike a chord. And, you know, in classic fashion, you, know, you can miss it by that much <laughs> and it doesn't take off like that. And you're like, ah, this is almost perfect. And for some reason, this book has just had landed and just got that little bit of magic. And I think that's a really important thing for people to hear, which is yes to all this stuff we did around marketing and design and all of that. And you've got to get have a little bit of luck. Right? You've got to have it worked, it took off, somehow it, it caught the imagination. The gods were with you. Yeah, it is that like uh, one guy I used to pay attention to, he always talked about separating effort and earning. Like you do everything you possibly can, but that doesn't earn you anything. You know, you just got to then let it go and see what happens. So awesome. Well, man, we covered everything I wanted to cover. I really appreciate it. And I like ending there about the importance of writing a good book. Because I'm in the throes of this. I'm actually, I will write the final chapter of my first draft tomorrow. But it's been a year of like floundering on this thing. Like I knew what I wanted to write a year ago. I couldn't write it until six weeks ago because of just churning on it. And I've got Ground, an editor. Yeah. Process, right? Well, and I think having people that when I, I wrote about probably 10,000 words of it last summer and I gave it to a buddy of mine and he's like, this is a great collection of blog posts, but this is not a book. He's like, now you can release a collection of blog posts and that's fine. He's like, but you don't have a book yet. And I'm like, you know, and having people that hold your feet to the fire and say, yeah. like, do not do this until it's good enough. So, well, thanks for coming on. This is great. And I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Book Launch Show. For all the past episodes, the show notes, or to connect with me, you can go to Book Launch Show. If you missed it, make sure that you listen to the first couple episodes in this series. Make sure that you go and pick up a copy of Michael's book, The Coaching Habit. Even if it's not a topic you're interested in, I think you should buy a copy just to see what's possible in self-publishing, to see the quality of the book, the layout and design of the book. It's really stellar and it's uh, neat to see how far self-publishing has come. So I highly recommend Go to Amazon, pick up a copy just so you can get a look at the type of book that you can produce as a self-published author. If you'd like to take a look at the dozens of free book marketing resources and articles that you can access, those are all at my website, booklaunch.com. And lastly, if you would like to support the show, you can do that by telling another author about the show and by visiting us on iTunes and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at booklaunch.com.